The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. It's like, oh, Glenn, talk dirty to me. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. It's our second anniversary this week. On the podcast, we'll talk about the coronavirus and how it's impacting schools and how we can best teach remotely. Our guest this week is professional development consultant, Naomi Harm. Two years, buddy. <laughs> I can't believe it, actually. I mean, it it's weird that it was March that we kind of started... I mean, we started the yeah. process before that, but March, we yeah. actually recorded something. <laughs> yeah, March uh, was when the trailer, I guess that little awkward trailer came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, when you listen to it now, you go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, the first episode uh, came out uh, just a couple weeks later, but we're going to call this an, 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 our second anniversary episode because mm-hmm. it's our damn podcast and we can do whatever we want um so buddy happy anniversary two years two years 138 138 episodes (laughs) that's quite a lot actually i was just thinking i was like that's that's pretty good two years down the road we're doing pretty damn good (laughs) started started from the bottom now we're here am i allowed to do that (laughs) yeah i don't know we (laughs) still I did it anyways. <laughs> no, it's exciting. Uh, yeah. Two-year anniversary. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened. Yes, thank you. Shares and talks. There's lots of awesome conversations. I want to know who's the the people that were here, some of the people that were here since the beginning. And since I, the beginning that yeah, we I, absolutely know about. It. Listen, if you <laughs> have listened to every single episode of On Education, mm-hmm. you need to weigh in. Yeah, let us um, know. I'm curious. I I would imagine if I had to guess, I bet Sarah Thomas has maybe listened to every episode or close. Yes, and some Schoology, some uh, Schoology ambassadors, maybe Schoology employees too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's and and there's just there's just some people out there who just listened right from the beginning. Yeah. They they just picked it up and we somehow didn't. <laughs> deter yeah. them <laughs> no no i got and, uh, a job because of it so you know whatever and, and 138 <laughs> episodes down the road they're still listening to this one here thank you guys thank you <laughs> yes everybody. you guys are amazing and so so supportive and um yeah this has grown crazy i mean it really when we talk about our setup you know at these conferences yeah, yeah. uh it's all due to uh, our listeners uh yeah. listeners being able to then support or uh then we get our endorsements or our, our sponsors and then being able to then travel to these places and, and be able to do live shows and so on and so forth but none of it is possible obviously without actually some you guys out there listening so thank you again 
Yeah. And now we're going to segue into the reason why everyone actually listens to us and like, <laughs> talk about random stuff. Like, hey, I'll tell you, man, no joke. I, I, I sent my wife a message this afternoon because okay. we went out last weekend and, and went to, in Canada, they have a franchise, a store called bulk bar and it's, it's a bulk food store, but they got hmm. like, a, do you have bulk food stores places in the United States? So just exclusively bins bins of stuff okay right we we have those in some grocery stores yeah yeah. those are in grocery stores too but there's actually a chain of stores called bulk barn in canada Hmm. and and it's and it's a trap right because you know there's important stuff on the outsides but like the three middle rows in the inside of this damn store are full of like things that are destined to kill you like candy um, and gummy bears and stuff like that, and you it's can pick awesome. Up pounds it's, of that. <laughs> oh my god, it's the best store. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, Bulk Barn is amazing. And so we went there. Okay, and we haven't been in a while because I wanted some like peanuts or something. That's what I was craving. But today I'm like doing work, and I'm like, I want candy. And why was I so dumb that I was in Bulk Barn and I didn't buy candy? So Cheryl did me a solid today as I was writing out the outline. Yeah. Uh, you can't see it because you're obviously this is a podcast. So this yeah. makes a great radio <laughs> friend. But right over there beside me is a huge bag full of candy mm. that Cheryl went and bought me while I was writing the, the, the outline tonight yeah. um, that I'm going to just jam my face <laughs> into as soon as this is done. <laughs> what kind of candy did you get? Oh, the, oh my God, dude. Like so, you're a candy snob. Yes, I wouldn't call a snob, but you're a connoisseur of candy. Yes, <laughs> I love. There's these little marshmallow strawberries. Hmm. They're they're kind of like, they're not. I'm not going to call them peeps because peeps are gross, um, and they're also obviously peeps are big. These are cherry slash strawberry flavored little, little marshmallows, marshmallows, little teeny tiny marshmallows, hmm. and they are so. Damn good. You got to bring me some of those. I've never even, oh, I've never heard of that. Yes. I think you've told me about this before. Oh. Those specific candies. And I'm like a can, I have ate every kind of candy. So I need, oh, I need buddy. to taste some of those. Yeah. No, they're <laughs> so good. So she bought me some of those and I'm so happy. I'm going to get into it. You're, you're a, you're a Skittles guy. Mm-hmm. And we, if anybody had wasn't following us on Twitter oh, or doing this, we were doing we for some reason our uh, good friend and colleague Dave Blanchard was is he posted something? Oh, it was it was this uh, TikTok video. That's what it was. <laughs> it was a TikTok video where these uh, two uh, women, two young women, um, basically make some nachos <laughs> using chips and then melting some skittles on it right <laughs> they put it in the microwave and they eat it and he said some kind of comment like it reminded him of me because again we've told some of these stories where mike and i'll be in the hotel room and it'll be like one o'clock in the morning and then all of a sudden he'll see me eating like some kind of and it's just jamming <laughs> on the candy hard friends in the hotel room like it's 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 every time we go somewhere guys when we have to go to like a yes 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 or a do. target or something yes. like and we find the nearest one and he Load just up. like pillages <laughs> the candy aisle like you wouldn't possibly imagine it's awesome like i mean it's good and he shares which is yes, important for sure you know. for sure 
and it's it's super funny and and it's become a thing now that we yes. do because now we just go and get first junk, thing we junk food get, up we go as we yes. damn hotel it's out of control people it's really out of control so yeah everybody saw that and then so what randomly we started posting this kind of back and forth about how much i love skittles and blah 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 and then what was so awesome is the whoever's the controlling the skittles twitter account yeah this is like in. late at night <laughs> starts weighing in yeah. On, on different comments about us, you know, you must love the uh, flavor, ra- the rainbow flavor, and blah blah blah, whatever it might be. So it was super funny. Uh, we enjoy our our Skittles and our all kinds of different candy though too. So yeah. it's not just Skittles. Skittles, Skittles weighing in on our, on our Twitter <laughs> chat was hysterical. Um, uh, so we we didn't have a podcast last week, nope. um, as as hopefully people noticed. Um, we did a live stream instead. Yes. Um, which was the first time we decided to do something like that. It was kind of fun until it got shut down by YouTube, um, <laughs> you know, for breaking the rules. <laughs> we won't talk, well, we will talk about that just a little. I mean, obviously, you can't clearly, I guess, you can't stream like live TV on you on YouTube through Zoom. Um, I guess uh, I who knew you know Come commercials on. were being played, so I don't know what the heck the actual problem is. Um, not I a think... lot of critical going on in YouTube in terms of the, the, the content controls. I mean, it's a computer anyway, yeah. so it's just a, it's an a, algorithm it's or whatever. Algorithm. Yep. But we had um, some of our friends, um, Brad Treffler, Dan Krinus, who else? Um, Mayor jumped in. Um, uh, Mark Otter jumped in for a bit. Uh, who else was there? Um, Dave Blanchard was there. Dave Blanchard uh... was there for virtually the whole time. Um, and we, we talked politics. Uh, and we watched the we watched Super, Tuesday. Super Tuesday. We watched the Biden bounce take place mm-hmm. right in front of our very eyes. Yes, um, you guys you were know. very upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I I it, actually i I didn't vote for Biden, but that yeah. he you know he ended up winning Minnesota. I'm still I'm still okay. I'm not. My I'm okay. Yeah, my. Uh, my biggest concerns will be on November. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens in November, and then and then I can go into full panic mode and make a trek up north, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'd, I'm not sure if I've ever explicitly said that I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, but I mean, I think that you could tell by my personality and you know how I talk about other things related to politics. Your socialist I, ways. <laughs> I am very much a democratic socialist, like already. Um, I I was a democratic socialist before Bernie. No, not before Bernie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so listen, but I'm also a very you know I'm pragmatic. Uh, I think, uh, and I love Elizabeth Warren, and yes. I liked. I even liked a lot of the things. Um, about Pete Buttigieg yes. and Amy Klobuchar and, and Andrew freaking Yang. Andrew Yang. Um, we talked about man. him a lot. Yeah. I love him. think he's great. And I'll tell you, I'll even say this, and it's not the most popular opinion in the mm. world. Let's hear it. But, like, Mike Bloomberg had a lot of money. And you can do <laughs> a lot of things with that much money. You can write whatever damn narrative you want. And clearly... We've seen based on 2016 yes. that you can, when you can define your narrative, people are going to bite on it and take it no matter what it is, whether yeah. it's true or not. So, 
you know, while Bloomberg was definitely trying to reframe some of the crappiest parts of his history, sure, you know, $1.5, $1.6 billion dumped into a general election and like, would be not, would a be nothing yeah, for him. No. And that was literally what he was selling people is I will buy you this election just to get you out of this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. You just have to deal with, you know, the fact that I had some moderately racist <laughs> policies and was generally a misogynist. Uh, you know, and if but, you can set those... but besides that, but besides that, <laughs> I have a lot of money <laughs> and I'm not lying. I think it might have worked. Hmm. It, it wouldn't be my first choice. It wouldn't be my fifth choice. Um, it was working. But... And it was working. If if Elizabeth Warren, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're doing some politi- politics stuff here. But anyway, I'm if Elizabeth Warren wouldn't have destroyed him in the first four seconds of that first debate. We'd have a I whole mean, she, different scenario right now. And I'm super happy that she did. I Kill mean, them. obviously, yes, but it didn't take more than – it was within the first minute for sure. I'm exaggerating about four seconds, but it was in the first minute. And she really knew how to hone in on that, and obviously yep. he couldn't come back from that. But plus, he's in there so late. Who knows Like you know, whether or not he would have done that, but he was destroyed really quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Warren's greatest legacy of this presidential campaign yeah. is that she absolutely – she set fire to Mike Bloomberg in the first 30 seconds of his of his coming out party. So, so I mean, it's, yeah. it was over. What I was thinking of, though, Mike, is I was trying to flip those kind of the, the narrative, the roles there, too. Elizabeth Warren being a former special education teacher, you know, coming from humble beginnings, whatever it might be, and kind of basically her whole campaign was on life support, you know, barely the whole thing. And even though they spend millions and millions of dollars, it's still not enough you know, as far as to be able to kind of go through it. What if the roles were reversed and she had the billions behind her and she was able to basically get her message out, her bigger message out to all of us? Yeah. That might have made a difference and that sucks. I think that that's a big thing. I mean, that we're missing out again. We we aren't, we are not going to have a woman on, on the, uh, uh, you know, at least to be able to have potentially to be able to vote for president. Uh, for her, and it's sad. Her and Amy, you know, were the last uh, two women. Well, I guess Tulsi Gabbard was too. Uh, and that's, in a way, it's devastating. I can see why people were so upset by that. I mean, it's it's obviously because of the character of Elizabeth Warren and right. uh, Amy Klobuchar, but just the concept that once again, we have these older white men that are the representatives again of this country. It's Here we, we have go. a long ways to go, man. We have a long, long ways to go still. We we could always vote for Andrew Walls. Yes. <laughs> so so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Andrew Walls yes. is a, a proven business leader, <laughs> passionate advocate for students. That's yes. not right. Yeah. Um a Republican from Rhode Island. Well, okay, he's a Republican. Um, <laughs> you know, and entirely fake. Yes, this uh, kid uh, ended up creating a fake candidate on social media and ended up getting all of this buzz around this presidential candidate that didn't even exist. And then what it basically, with minimal amount of money, I mean, no money, no money, just, just really mad skills as far as being able to go ahead and 
post some really hot takes, uh, get some people really behind you, get some uh, yep. Russian bots also supporting you or whatever it might be, and really had a, a freaking huge following of this fake candidate. And it just finally came out with it and goes, eh, by the way, everybody, this guy doesn't really exist. You know, I just made this whole thing up, which so just shows funny. you the power of social media and how quickly things can catch fire. And we've talked about this before, even if they're fake, you know, in this case, it was a fake person, a fake candidate that a, that a kid, a 17 year old kid created, which I think super kudos to him for bringing this again, showing this right to our faces, to our light, uh, bringing it to light and then showing maybe even his, uh, you know, uh, other students that's the power the, what the power of social media how much power it actually holds as far as influencing us in our decisions in this case elections who we're going to vote for yeah. um it's crazy i mean and and fantastic we're definitely going to have to link, link that uh cnn uh article to to our uh show notes so we we probably couldn't do an episode right now without mm. talking about the 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 virus taking the world by storm um in more ways than one um i in fact um if it wasn't for the coronavirus i would be speaking to you from austin texas i yes. was supposed to go to i was supposed to go to south by southwest and uh, i had like i had this whole like logistic meticulously planned logistics plan to be in the hotel by eight o'clock so that we could do the interview with uh, Naomi and then do the podcast. And then I had like tons of plans and stuff like that. And it was like, all right, now I don't got to worry about any of that. I'm just mm. going to be home now. Um, so South by Southwest was canceled. Yes. Um, Collision conference, which is like a huge tech conference um, was canceled. Um, it looks like, spring Q is still happening as of like today spring Q is still happening though um you'll hear naomi naomi talk about the fact that some people aren't even allowed like districts aren't allowing it. people to travel mm -hmm. which is like a whole other side thing related to this um you know i i'm super curious about at what point isti starts talking about you know about at what point people start talking about ISTE and whether ISTE is going to happen or not. It's 24,000 of your closest friends. Crazy. Um, you know, bumping into each other constantly for three days. Um, you know, it, it was it was gross in some ways to begin with and now now we're now we're spreading a, a disease that can like be traveled back to your hometown and you know, you can get your elderly, whatever grandmother sick and potentially kill her. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, I can see, you know, it's complicated for, yeah, sure. for sure. Um, it, you know, and our friend Carl Hooker, you know, was, Felt bad for him. you know, you know, Austin, South by is like his thing. Like mm -hmm. it's been his thing for 15, 20 years. This is like a big conference for Carl Yeah, and it gets canceled you know, so Carl goes in like, he's like, screw this. I, I, I own a bar. I can just host it at my place. I think so. That's what's exactly what's happening is Carl has a pop-up South by conference. It's happening, mm -hmm. you know, tomorrow. It was like um, alt, alt, South, alt by Southwest, South by right? Southwest DDU. Yeah. 
is happening he yeah. he was trying like he was literally dming me as i'm canceling my plane and he's like dude no don't <laughs> i'm like i Come got him anyway. man i can't i can't i can't justify it you know i've only been in my job for two weeks i don't want to get fired already so <laughs> I, I couldn't you know by saying you know you know even though the conference i'm totally I'm you know still gonna had go. To go for it. i'm still gonna go to austin anyways and expense the whole damn thing no you know so you can't, i can't do it now uh, I, i'll tell you though you know it's getting a little a little crazy and it makes me wonder um how ready we are mm-hmm. for this i mean some districts are totally ready and i have no doubt that there are superintendents and administrators just absolutely scrambling right now absolutely they're scrambling and for good reason at any point in time we know that you know what has already happened both in asia and even in europe and italy and very quickly and that's what we were just having a discussion today with my principal is all it takes is one student in our district it'll shut the whole district down and we even But one student in any of the neighboring towns that we have, we probably would shut it all down. And then what do we do? You know, what's the next steps? And that's that's the conversation that really needs to be had is we need to be – to have a plan, to have a plan in place of what's going to happen, have all of the logistics ready to basically roll out and be confident with that this is – that you have a plan that it's going to work, um, that you have the infrastructure in place, the communication, all those kinds of things. Um, but without that, it will feel like chaos. It will feel like, oh, you know, and, and it, there won't be any normalcy. And we need that normalcy um, as educators and as our students to continue, even though, you know, we obviously – or would be in the face of something, you know, as devastating as like a, a virus like this. But to continue, we can still continue the learning. We can still communicate with each other. We can still connect. I think that's the biggest things. Totally. And so, I mean, there's a there's a lot of moving parts in creating a competent, you know, distance learning, remote learning kind of infrastructure. Um, and we're going to talk about that um, a little bit later uh, for sure. Uh, this last one was really interesting. This is like our, our little Twitter hot take for the moment um, was was pretty great. Uh, and, and I think I'll let you just talk to it because uh, you found it. But I think it speaks to some of the stuff we've been talking about a little bit lately as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I find some favorite things on Edge of Twitter. And this is definitely one of those post that makes me super happy uh that is out there and that's being followed and that hopefully it's influencing too are because i know that there's a lot of principals and superintendents and other educational leaders out there and basically i'll read you the post here it says art is not a reward music is not a reward playing outside is not a reward reading books of choice is not a reward Field trips are not a reward. Food is not a reward. Being able to move in a classroom is not a reward. And children are human beings and should be treated as such. And we have had these conversations before. Even when we were putting down our list, we talk about art and music and how we can't take recess away and how food is so important and why are we treating it as something that's 
only certain kids will be able to have access to, you know, for, uh, when we're talking about, uh, you know, cafeteria rules and so on and so forth. Uh, the ability to be able to move around in a classroom. We've had these conversations where we say, yeah, it's so vital for our kids to be able to do that. And that's, it's a great part of learning. Um, so just a fantastic post and, Again, I know this is just, you know, somebody posting that obviously out there, but it should be basically our philosophy as educators. We, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't use these things that have been used in the past as far as ways to be able to go ahead and th- take things away, punishment, whatever you want to call it. We shouldn't be doing that. And we should have moved on from the, all those old, uh, antiquated policies and use these things as this is part of just being a human, obviously, too, but it's part of our uh, our schools and our culture. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're using almost anything, to be honest, as leverage to force your students to learn, then I actually think you need to rethink how you're teaching because, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't need leverage. No. You shouldn't need extrinsic reward. You shouldn't need a reward system. Mm-hmm. to motivate your kids to learn you should be using methods and tools and techniques that make kids want to learn because the teaching is so good because it's fun because you Cause want it's, to it's interesting right yeah. so you know uh miss me with using outdoor play as leverage please Ugh. um it's absolutely ridiculous when we come back the bests And this week, we're going to talk about tools and tips for remote learning. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a Fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language, and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students. Simply go to Bitly Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's Bitly Fidgets on Education. Welcome back to On Education and welcome to the best. Every week, Mike and I take you through a list of our top things, from books to games, from people to ideas. For obvious reasons, it's all the talk right now, remote and blended learning. Uh, Some districts are ready, others not so much. Some have plans and some have been caught unprepared. This week on the best are the top tools and tips for remote learning. So let's get into it. I think that the first thing I wanted to say is that my number one tip is not a tool. And I think a lot, I I just think we get caught up when we're, when we're posting on Twitter and I don't want to be negative as far as people doing this, as far as them posting about tools because yeah. I don't think people mean to say that the solution is a tool. Right. Because we all know that it's not. There is no tool that solves whatever it might be as far as this kind of, this type of thing. So my number one tip is not a tool. It's the call out to our leaders, our principals, our superintendents. Yeah. That we need to properly train our teachers. And we've talked about professional development and constantly, and it should not be. Something that's like, I hate to put it this way, but I'm going to say it anyway. It shouldn't be a choice for us as educators to just choose to either A, 
yeah, we're going to learn this or we're not. We have to learn these things. The, and yes, in this only. case, these things are effective ways of being able to either teach in a blended format or if you already teach in a blended format, it is not that huge of a step as we've talked about before to teach in a completely online format. Mm-hmm. I've done both and I didn't know that I could actually teach online but a lot of the things I was doing in class that were blended methods, flipped mm-hmm. videos, so so on and so forth, you know, different types of things, transitioned well to a completely online format. It is not the same thing. It requires some training. Yes, it does. But this is, uh, the call out, the number one tip is let's properly train our educators so that we are able to do this whenever the next emergency comes around. Right now, we have one sitting in front of us. But we don't know when the next one is going to be. But yet, we have millions of dollars of infrastructure and uh, subscriptions and tools, etc., that can be used to be able to do this. So we need to make sure that our teachers are properly trained and that we have these high expectations for them too. That yes, we're trained you. Yes, you can do it. Here's how we're going to lead you to be able to go ahead and do that. So as far as tools are concerned, I guess we could start out with what I think is the most important aspect. And whatever you choose to have, you know, as far as for this specific, basically a communication hub, you need a place where everybody's going to go to, to be able to get instructions, to be able to communicate back and forth. And I'm talking about students and educators, but also yeah. parents, educators, students, that connection now needs to be more, it's more vital because you need to be able to deliver that message, not just to the students, but also to the parents. You need a hub of communication. The one that I'm advocating for, or that we're advocating for is the one that we've talked about as far as on this podcast before, because we have both used it and it is the best tool for this. And it, and what I'm talking about is Schoology. There's a free version of Schoology that is so robust, so amazing, and allows you to, it's not just hosting of assignments and giving out grades, because that would right. be the most minimalistic way to describe what it actually is. It's basically the all-in-one hub where everything can take place. And the right. reason why you need an all-in-one hub is you don't want people to be looking in different places to be able to get communication back and forth. And I'm talking about people. We're talking about all of our stakeholders and in our educators, everybody being on the same page. The communication hub, in, our, in my opinion, should be Schoology. And there there are a few other choices. Yes. Google Classroom, yes. which a lot of people would have. I mean, some people use Teams for something like this. Yes. If you're in like an Office 365 exclusive kind of environment. And I would be remiss if I didn't plug the company I actually work for, Participate. Um, and, and I want to frame this as not uh, – I mean, this eventually will pass. Mm-hmm. But the problem of remote learning and, you know – it's it's never going away. Um, if if you're looking for a lasting solution, um, something you know where you can house in particular, participate is good with your professional learning. So not necessarily your student facing content, but your teacher facing content. Your place where you can do remote self directed learning um, on a platform where you can talk other teachers can talk to each other. If a district is looking for something like that, that's that's 
participates bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, there's a whole lot of power there as well. Um, you know, so inside Schoology, there's an app um, that Schoology actually uh, recently bought at least a couple years ago, I guess. Uh, and now they've just, they call it conferences. So, you know, synchronous tools, these are, these are ways, uh, synchronous video communication type tools. And so we're also talking about things like Google Hangouts. Um, yes. And the one that I use, um, you know, I spend my entire day basically on Zoom at this point. Um, so, you know, Zoom conferences, if you're using Schoology, uh, Google Hangouts, I, I mean, these are going to be invaluable tools um, to you as you look to communicate, to have one-on-ones with specific students, um, but also group meetings, group conversations, even, I mean, at this point, there's no reason why you can't do a an entire like class mm-hmm. basically on a platform like Zoom or conferences or, or Google Hangouts. Just you know, put a link in whatever platform you're using to deliver information, uh, and then everyone joins it at a certain time. And and you know, the best uh, versions of this allow you know back and forth conversation, allow people to post notes and links and conversation in yes. a in a chat or in a back channel. Um both hang all three of the ones like that we've just said um allow you to do that. So um you know a, a, a necessary tool would be some sort of synchronous video. So you can deliver a synchronous lessons. So basically a live lesson is a good way to think of it. Or you can do asynchronous and a the one of the best tools for that is Flipgrid. And we've talked about Flipgrid before. It's I think they're free. on every one of our lists so far. Yeah, I know. All the good lists. Anyway. I know. It's free. <laughs> it's easy to use. It's yeah. multi-platform. Yeah. It can be an asynchronous way of communicating both teacher to student, students to students, be able to comment on each other's stuff, and keep that sense of community without everybody having to join in at the exact same time. So that's a fantastic way of thinking as far as asynchronous video, especially in an online format. Flipgrid is so dang easy. It's it's hard to to give you anything else because there's other things that do similar. They try to do some things like similar to Flipgrid. It just mm-hmm. nothing competes with it. No, 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 not at all. So, you know, how do you um, share? the content, the actual core content that you need to share with your class, be it, um, you know, video or, or, um, audio or images or text. And, and so, you know, there are a lot of platforms, uh, for delivering, you know, the actual lesson content. Um, you know, we would recommend, um, something like Nearpod, mm-hmm. um, Pear Deck would be another example of a of a tool that you could use. You can even use Google Slides um, to do this, or you know, a, a keynote and then share it, or something like that. But if you want to do something that is like web based, you know, Nearpod, uh, Pear Deck, and and um, and Google Slides would be your choices, uh, good choices to use um, to deliver actual lessons for sure. And I like. As far as a Nearpod, you can deliver yeah. it synchronously. So if you wanted to have a live lesson, you could get onto your conferences yeah, button totally. or to Zoom or Google Hangouts, wherever it might be, be delivering the Nearpod lesson, embed questions so that yep. the students yep. could 
be formatively assessed or even mm-hmm. just to gauge their uh, interests or gauge their opinions about things, whatever it might be, gather those types of things. And it feels more like a class than two because you kind of have a back and forth or you can also just embed it inside of a inside of Schoology, for example, and then have it deliver the content asynchronously, have the videos embedded inside of it, the lesson content, et cetera, so far, whatever you actually want. Um, and that's probably why it's my one of my favorite tools as far as for lesson delivery. If you're interested in using YouTube videos, you shouldn't just use the YouTube video. I'm just giving you some, some friendly advice. It's okay I actually, I highly recommend. There's a million YouTube videos out there that are so fantastic yeah. for all these different topics. Yeah. Just a great array of different things. But using the video by itself is very limited. If you use the video and then you use a tool like Edpuzzle and you embed that video inside of the Edpuzzle uh, web platform, and again, it's free, you can actually put questions into it. You can uh, have some opinion types of things, some reflection questions as part of the video, and it basically pauses as it delivers the video. It's a way better way of basically utilizing even, let's say it was a 20-minute video, you mm-hmm. found the top three minutes that were the fantastic part that really uh, were the most important. You can just clip that thing, embed some questions inside of it. And then if they're still interested in watching the rest of it, you can just provide a link and say, hey, if you want to watch the whole video, click here and then do whatever. And you can still do that. Just a way to be able to go ahead and focus in on the content yeah. Give them specific things to be thinking about. Sometimes even on Edpuzzle, you might not even write a question. You might just pause it and say, this is what's happening here. You know, you kind of give them some some sure. background, some things like that, just like you would in class. Great yeah, way yeah. to be you able would, to like, do pause, that. You would pause a video in class and kind of explain something out or break it down or yes. dig a little bit deeper, take a deeper dive into a, a certain sentence or whatever. Edpuzzle Ed is great. I, I've used Edpuzzle before, and I, I think it's awesome. I, I'm glad it's on this list um, because I think it's a really cool tool. As someone that used YouTube a lot yes. in, in his teaching, I... Um, and, you know, learned almost everything else. I'm, I'm telling you, almost everything I learned about technology, like fo- whether it's Photoshop or, or Scratch or like game design, I learned that from YouTube. Yeah. Seriously. I know. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. So <laughs> as someone that does a lot of like learning by watching YouTube videos, I will I watch YouTube every night for easily yeah. an hour close to it um, because I learn tons of stuff on it. Yes. Um, and Edpuzzle is a good tool to use for that. You know, and so when you want to wrap things up, when you want to get a sense that your students have actually, you know, taken in what you've talked about, uh, whether you want to do, uh, you want to do some sort of assessment. Um, so there are a lot, like this is actually a place where the internet and education shines, yes. in my opinion. It really is. There are tons of amazing pretty engaging even um kind of quizzing slash questioning um gamified in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways tools for asking questions uh tools like quizlet or deck toys or one of our favorites gimkit Mm -hmm. um all of these tools uh have uh, certainly an element of kind of gamified 
you know, um, assessment. Um, and some, even a lot of them have like achievements or, 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 um, credentials or, um, um, some sort of currency, like GimKit is known for its, like its currency mm-hmm. kind of way of, of rewarding students. Um, and these are fun ways, you know, people are using these tools in class all the time and they translate perfectly yes. to remote learning. Absolutely. So if you could always come back to this segment of the best by checking out our blog at oneducationpodcast.com or watching it on YouTube, just search for On Education and check out the playlist. Do you want to support us at On Education? Check out our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducationpod. When we come back, we'll be speaking to Naomi Harm. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by the Badge Summit. Do you have plans to attend the ISTE conference this summer? Come one day early and participate in the best hidden gem conference in the United States. Badge Summit 2020 will take place in Costa Mesa, California on June 22nd. There will be many amazing educators to collaborate with on topics such as digital badges, credentials, gamification, and more. To learn more about the Badge Summit, simply visit bit.ly slash badge summit. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Naomi Harm is the founder and CEO of Innovative Educator Consulting. She and her team work collaboratively with national and international schools uh, and organizations and higher ed institutions providing professional development on a little bit of everything. So we're happy to have you join us, Naomi. Welcome to On Education. Well, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and honor to join you two gentlemen as a dynamic duo. And I, I hear you've got some celebration to kick this off tonight. You have to tell yeah, me a yeah, bit. we were yeah, let's celebrate. Off let's air, start. I guess we were we were talking. Yeah, it's exciting. This I think this is our two year anniversary. So thank you. It's uh, it's been uh, this is uh, episode one thirty eight. You'll be on. So it's well, been hey, a lot of lot of episodes, a lot of talking. Of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, a little bit about yourself, and what brought you to us today? Okay. Well, thank you so very much, Mike. I appreciate that. Well, as you've already heard, my name is Naomi Harm, and I'm joining you today from actually beautiful Cape Creek, Arizona. I'm originally a Midwestern girl, uh, grew up on a dairy farm in Northeast Iowa. So my work ethic comes from the very proud virtues, uh, virtues and values from my father, I would say, growing up on a dairy farm and being responsible for melting cows and doing all those wonderful chores before getting on the bus to take an hour <laughs> bus ride to school every day. So we lived in a very rural and impoverished community. Oh. But I tell you, um, I'm extremely humbled and very proud of where I've come from. Um, my career history basically is I'm a very passionate educator, um, have been a kindergarten teacher, fourth, fifth grade looping teacher, tech coordinator, and a technology director for 26 school districts in Wisconsin. From there, I've started my own company. Um, it'll be 12 years this next year of a women in leadership company. Um, along that trip that I'm still on, I've had the pleasure and honor of working for Dell EMC and also Wonder Workshop. And they have really provided me a wonderful opportunity to enrich my understanding from a managerial uh, perspective, project management, and also as a strategist. Um, this past two years, I've really taken a deeper dive into really following my utmost passion, which has always been there as a woman in leadership strategist and a mentor, a coach, and just a colleague to so many 
other women leaders that are trying to find their niche or their fit in this ed tech world that we're living in and how to start their own businesses and to really follow their passion of being a woman in leadership entrepreneur. So I, I get calls daily of I'm running into this problem or how did you approach this or how did you handle this difficult conversation? So I'm doing a lot of mentoring right now. Awesome. So let's actually talk about that a little bit. International, we're recording this on um, Monday the 9th. International Women's Day was just yesterday. So, um, you know, when you spend a lot of time in this space, and like you just said, you're, you're talking to, to women all the time, women who aspire to be leaders who who or who already are leaders. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I'd like to say that we've made a lot of progress in this area, but we still have a long ways to go. What challenges like when you say you're getting calls what kind of calls are you actually getting i'm interested in what women are actually challenged with and and what advice you're giving them because i think that uh i think that we do have some ways to go in this regard exactly well even just some recent ones that i've worked with i've done coaching of a whole strategic team actually a company that's located in the united states but i'll keep their name confidential i've worked with some pretty major companies They're trying to help have the conversation of how we can have dynamic conversations with men and women at the table instead of always feeling that the men can overtalk the woman and that she has to Mm -hmm. take a seat back. And how do we as women really lean in to really use creative word choice that we don't come off as being aggressive or being moody or something else, but really having the importance that we have something to say and we can back it up with the research or a strategy or method that we've known that's proven. It, it's amazing that you even have to like talk about the nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, we see this all the time online that there's memes and stuff about, you know, when, when, a when a man is yelling and screaming and aggressive or whatever, he's just a boss being bossy, you know, and, and being a, you know, assertive. And when a woman's like, woman is like that, it's, you know, she's shrill and she's a, you know, a B word and, you know, mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure that's, you know, when, as a woman leader yourself, and also as someone who's coaching women leaders, I'm sure that that's something that you're, you're facing that constantly. I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, I'm facing it constantly is right. And at the same time, to have your demeanor to be calm, but also yeah. can also that to be assertive, if somebody's kind of somewhat, you feel like you're being attacking, but how do you represent your best self every day? So I have learned over my 25 years in the educational realm that sometimes we just have to be a little bit more patient because we have to understand if somebody's really confronting you with a very, that may per- be perceived as an aggressive conversation, it's there's something really on their mind that they're passionate about, but then at the same time, there's something that's bothering them that they want the change. And there's an underlying a problem or something else that's eating away at them. So really helping be still compassionate, actively listen to understand, and letting them know that you're listening to understand. And that usually calms them down. And when they see mm-hmm. that you don't get irate by their conversation, or if the tech isn't working right, you know, just being more calm, that actually kind of soothes the whole table that you're at. And they'll say, okay, she gets it. She knows what she's doing. And then they're more open to the conversation to say, okay, we're a little bit out of control here, but let's, let's just take a few steps back and let's look at that underlying problem. It's funny. I've been, I've been watching, um, there's this guy and you might not know who he is, but I'll, I'll kind of 
you would know the archetype of who he is. The guy's name is Gary V, and he's super popular on like TikTok now. Um, but he's he's an entrepreneur. His family is entrepreneurial. Do you, do you know the fellow I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Yes. And so his personality is pretty like abrasive sometimes mm-hmm. and aggressive, but like his the messages, some of his messages, I I, I find are, are resonating with me a little bit as I as I deal with things like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about who he's talking to um, now, mm-hmm. just now, like, and I'm thinking about it. And those messages are definitely not the messages of, like, for women. Right. I, I, I feel like, like, he's not, like, you never see him giving that that advice, like, what he's saying. And I won't repeat it because most of it is right. laced with, like, F-bombs and stuff mm-hmm. like that <laughs> because that's kind of his style. But he's never talking to women. And, and he, I doubt he would give the same advice to women as he gives to men, which is like to not give a damn about who you, you know, anything that people think about you and just to go for it and be aggressive. And, it, you know, it, what do you think about that? Like, I, I'm really interested. There's not many people speaking about leadership like that to women, is there? No, there really isn't. There really isn't. And that's why I would take that conversation. And when I talk with others, I really follow a protocol for myself that I'm very consistent when I talk to men or women. I don't like try to poo-poo it to guys and say, oh, no, we gotta we got to cower down and we can't say it this way. I am very clear and concise of how I talk to men and women. And I will also say, I respect you this way, and I also expect to be respected in this manner mm-hmm. because I have this knowledge to bring to you, but I can learn so much from you at the same time. What what women have inspired you? Like, I mean, we've we've been thinking about International Women's Day. I've seen mm-hmm. tons of awesome posts from women I, I respect. And, and I also um, loved even some of the posts where they said it doesn't always have to be these, like, strong alpha-type women. Mm-hmm. You know, there's women of all types that are just inspiring and, 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 and amazing people. So who are you? who were you thinking about yesterday during International Women's Day? Well, there's a few I would say right away. Um, I would say Grace Hopper is one of those. Um, the whole conference that's coming up around that in the fall, I'm really excited about that. But um, what she has contributed to our world, um, again, can also be a quiet voice, but also then a very powerful voice to make change for in the women leadership scope. But then I also look to some of my very closest friends that are classroom teachers that are every single day. Um, in the classroom, working with teachers, working with students, that they are some of my greatest heroes right now because yeah. they're out there trying to make a difference and make a, really make a difference with kids when they're really struggling. But other women in general, um, oh gosh, there's just almost too many to name because you <laughs> see all the different types of women leaders. And even like Time, what was it just last week, um, announced the top 100 women leaders that some of you may not even be aware of that are out there yeah. that are so influential that they can be quite quiet, but have made such a contribution to the change of our world and basically the mentorship to girls and boys. And if we can actually be a mentor to boys and girls to model that practice, to actually be more compassionate, more understanding, more com- collaborative, but also how we can come together to change our world for good in so many different aspects. We all can be a mentor. It doesn't have to be somebody that is a famous movie star over here, or it has to be somebody that's won the Nobel Peace Prize for what they've done. It can Mm -hmm. still be your grandmother. It can be your mom. It can be a sister. It can be 
a colleague or a classmate. And that's what we don't understand. You can have the biggest impression to somebody that you've mentored, not realizing that you've changed their life for an eternity. So I was just thinking, Naomi, you have traveled around. You've actually done so many different types of educational positions from being a teacher to now even being a consultant. Mm -hmm. And the number one question right now in educators' minds, it has to do with basically what are we going to do if and talk all the talk about the coronavirus and it's already it's already something that's actually happening in in many school districts even in the united states so as you are traveling around what are you you know recommending to educators as far as how do you manage you know teaching and learning remotely what types of training can we do in such a short period of time because many of us are being tasked with putting together plans right now mm-hmm. with the prospects within the few next few weeks, if not the next month, something is impending. Right. That's a, that's a wonderful question, Glenn. And first of all, I just have to recommend if you're not on Twitter, at least follow the hashtag that's called the hashtag is remote learning. There's lots of resources that teachers are so diligently about sharing right now, instead of everybody creating their own, let's work together and share those best practices. The other thing is, if we're only thinking about it now, it's almost like, wow, it's kind of late, isn't it? And we've been talking about blended learning and online learning forever. And it's like, (laughs) whoa, we don't have a plan in place. What's going on here, you know? But to be positive about thinking of this, um, some of our schools, I would say, kind of in the Midwest or are inundated with snowfall. I've worked with quite a few of East Coast schools and Midwest schools already that we've helped them this whole last year with what would we do if we have a major snowstorm or a blizzard, which many of them do. So we have created snow day activity events based on a whole STEM focus that kids actually are creating and making based on a STEM focus. They are doing reflection activities, they're creating, they're designing, and it's and it's working, it's working well. The next part I would say, what can we do to effectively blend? Because if we can't have all kids in school, but maybe kids are out sick or things like that, we've got to find a better way of finding the right tools to get the job done. So as an example, today, I have some teacher teams coming from Oregon and Washington State that were going to be coming to the Q conference in one week. Well, they're banned on travel because of the coronavirus. So instead, you've got to quickly pivot Think on your feet, right? Because I already have a sold out session for my Makey Makey certification class. So I contacted Swivel and um, no exchange of dollars at all. They're helping me here saying I need to bring these teachers in from the state to earn the certification so they can really make a difference with their kids with learning, with creating and making. But even though we're going to be face to face over here in a conference venue. So they're quickly helping me get the right tools in place that we're going to record my session and I think Mike knows too, when I when I present, I'm animated, I talk, I'm all over, just like Mike is too. But that camera will follow me when I move and will capture it yeah, at a cool. just at the the audio recording is so brilliant too. But then they are gonna bring in some other robotic cameras as well, so that we can capture the authentic learning and the conversations with the teachers and groups. So then the teachers that are off site are going to learn just as if they would be right there in that classroom and it will be archived and then others can learn from it. So we've got to find creative blended learning strategies and to help each other is what we have to do right now and giving kids that choice. You know, it doesn't mean that I always have to give them all this direct instruction, 
We can make it more modular based and activity based, but as learners, we're still, we're still learning focused on a structured effort to meet those learning outcomes and the needs of the student that's part of that learning system. This is, this has got to be seen as an opportunity. Like if, 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 if educators aren't thinking about this as a chance to do everything they've been talking about for the last 20 years, you know, and putting into practice things like flipped, I mean, how many yes. years, how many decades have we been talking about flipped classrooms at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's time to actually do it, people. Um, yeah. You know, I love, like, and you're seeing this, and I think you're talking about this and leading the way with what you're doing at Q. This is an opportunity, right? This is a huge opportunity, and we have to model what we preach daily, right? Each of our positions between Mike, Glenn, and you, we talk about this, and Mm. we have done it. But now we really need to model it for others and know how can we leverage industry partners to help us be our best selves, but also know that we can learn anywhere 24-7. We're not stuck behind a computer desk. We're not stuck behind a classroom desk. We've got to find a way creatively to meet the needs of, of the adult learners. Awesome. Totally. So we ask uh, a question to every guest um, that, that comes on. Um, what are three pieces of media? It can be a book. It can be music. It can be an artist. It can be a movie. It can be anything, any piece of media, three pieces of media that have shaped your learning, inspired you, something that you're thinking about right now or reading right now that's causing you to think, looking for three things that you can share with the audience to to give them an insight into, into Naomi's uh, thinking. Well, here's one thing. I'm a very positive person. And I think, Mike, you probably have seen that before. But I, I love life in general. There's not a lot that gets me down. But I tell you to start off my day, instead of always looking and reading at, reading from my phone or on my computer and going through email, sometimes that kind of drags me down. And it's like, mm. I want something more positive and uplifting. So I start my day and I find a really interesting just curiosity-based, I would say, uh, TED Talk video. Mm. It could be five minutes. It could be eight minutes. But it kind of energizes my day and gets me going. So that's one thing that's kind of my ritual things that I do. And it helps me with more of a backbone of all the research that I do because I really am very much um, an advocate for always having research in anything that I teach, making sure that it's of value. So that's one way. Another way is I love listening to books on tape. It sounds strange. I want to take time to, to read the book. I like the tangibility, but I don't always have that time. So one of the books I reread again or listened to is called The Leader in Me. And if you haven't read that book, it's just excellent. I have a, a book study from one of our groups in um, Wisconsin that's using that as a focus for the students, helping students be the leader in themselves of how that we talk about being good leaders, but we need to model that and um, all the examples that go into that and how we have our conversations, how we talk with one another, how our admin leaders meet each other even at the door for staff meetings. Are you giving each other a high five? Well, coronavirus, not now. We'll use, <laughs> we'll use, we'll use, we'll use, yeah, we'll use an elmo. We'll use, a, we'll use our, our foot dance. We'll do something, right? But anytime that you can take a book and bring it out to the best and model that practice, even for 
six, seven minutes in a staff meeting, we need to be doing that because we need to model the research that's out there and what's working in education and celebrate it well. So I have a book. Let's see. I have my video connections that I do. Oh, my gosh. What else would you say? Well, I reflect often. Some, some people probably think I'm a geek on doing that. I need to see the trends in my own learning. So I have a daily reflection journal. That's kind of something I start out in the morning. It could be a simple quick write of, okay, this is my target for the day. I want to accomplish this, but this is kind of where my thinking is at right now. And then throughout the day, I'll actually write something else. I'll say, oh, I got stuck here. Or excuse me, this really sucked today. This is not Mm -hmm. good. I need to change this. I got to change my mindset. And then by the end of the day, I wrap it up with my day of gratitude. What really went well? What can I change and what can I even control and can't control? But how do I move forward? So gratitude is part of my everyday life and gift giving back. Um, I just say together we're better. And I learned so much even when I follow you on Twitter, how much I can learn from you in the shares and how much the teachers give back to me. And I pose a question. Sometimes I don't always get an answer, but there's a lot of people that say, how can I help? What can we do Mm -hmm. to lift each other up? And what can we do to help? bring that learning to you. So gratitude is my third, I would say. That's fantastic. So Naomi, if talk about Twitter, how yeah. can people connect with you and maybe learn more about you and your consulting company, maybe to bring you to their schools? Absolutely. I And that's what I love. I still love going to schools, but we'll find creative blended ways to learn from each other because of all the wonderful virus that's going around right now. But yes, I'm on Twitter and it's just my, my name is Naomi Harm. So it's N-A-O-M-I-H-A-R-M. And my consulting company, I must say, again, my motto is together we're better. I work with brilliant women leaders and I do have some men that we work with too. And we, there are full-time teachers is what they are. They're amazing teachers and tech coordinators and administrators. And we as a team create and make dynamic content that's research-based that we deliver on weekends, during the summer, and during the school year. So we do a lot of leadership that way. And teachers want to stay relevant, and they love teaching adult learners too. So most of us, we're teaching adult learners. But there are times that we set up and do engineering derbies, and we bring in kids and parents and just all kinds of staff on weekends. Mm -hmm. To me, a day is a day. Weekend doesn't matter. I teach all the time, but I love to share my passion and knowing that we can make a difference with kids to help them find their career and their dreams that they want. That's what it's all about right now, because I'm invested in helping kids really making their learning connection because I now am a Nana. So I have a six-year-old granddaughter, I have a three-year-old grandson and a two-year-old granddaughter, and their world is so much different than any of what we've seen in the last 25 years. And we've mm-hmm. got to support those kids. So here's my little wrap up with that. My six-year-old granddaughter, we set up her own YouTube channel two weekends ago because that's what she wanted to do. She wants to teach people how to make slime and glow <laughs> glow in the dark slime of all things I learned from her. So it's like, well, let's do it. So she's not getting those experiences currently at her school. So it's like, let's find some STEM learning activities. Let's create your channel and let's create your voice and let's share your passion. So I tell you that six-year-old little girl is teaching me so much compared to I'm my 50-plus-year-old right now self. And I tell you, we both generations can learn from each other. And that's what it's about. Naomi Harm, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and it's a wonderful opportunity to learn from you also today. So happy two-year anniversary. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.